Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Today, we're going to be talking about two things that are really, really important. One is responsibility, and the other is accountability. Today, we've got the perfect guest, of course. We have Ed Everts. He's with Excellius Leadership. Um, he is a coach, a leadership development, a strategist, a strat and he works with both large companies and small companies. Uh, Ed, we're thrilled to have you here. I'm going to just start with the most basic question. Where did you get the name of your company from? Well, hi, Evan. Thank you for having me on your show today. And I made it up. So I was attempting to think of a name of a company that would sound energetic and future focused. And for some reason, Excellius popped up into my head. Just a quick story. I went to purchase it on GoDaddy and somebody already owned it, which I found shocking, right? Because I thought I had made up the word, but I had to put a, a buy order in. So if that person gave up the name, I'd automatically be first on the list to buy it. And that happened and uh, I bought it, but uh, it's Excellius Leadership Development. Well, yeah, you know, I like, you know, I think it's nice to have a unique name. I think that's, that's a really important thing. So, Ed, I know that you're very passionate about responsibility and, and accountability and working together and culture, et cetera, but let's just start with, with responsibility because this is something very few people actually talk about. What does responsibility mean to you and how does that impact corporations? So I, I'm glad that you're separating the two words because responsibility and accountability really operate in two separate arenas. Responsibility is really the person who has the most ownership for the work that's getting done. And these are typically more senior leaders in an organization who are responsible for a training program being implemented by a certain date responsible for virtual learning occurring by a certain date or time, right? They own the bigger project. And when I work with clients, what I work with them on is what I call milestone management, which is not to get into the, the weeds and the details of every specific that's going on, like I don't like the background color of your PowerPoint, to more milestone management, which is key deliverables due at certain dates and times. So I, as the responsible person, can feel comfortable that we're making the right progress. I'm also the person you'd come to if for some reason you think that we're not going to hit the due date, right? That for some reason we're going to be behind, a vendor didn't get something to us on the date that they would, you know, whatever the reason might be. And I'm the person that you would come to to let me know that so we can revisit our time and action calendar and make any changes that are necessary. Let's take a second and dig deeper into milestones. I, I love milestones because it allows us to cheer and celebrate. I love milestones because it sets great expectations so that you're not there at the, the due date and like, oh, we're five months behind and no one told me. Um, what are your experience culturally with companies? Do people embrace milestones? Is it something you really need to sell in? How best to create them? Yeah, I, you know, I do think that this is a newer type of model and it's certainly not something that I've invented, but a newer type of model that most organizations can use a little bit more deeply. 
most of the clients that I have who own projects and are responsible for aspects of the business or the business at whole, at whole are deep into the details. They are worrying about everything and every conversation and every interaction, and they don't have time to, right? I mean, they are at their wits end because they can't manage to that level of detail. So, you know, this idea of looking at first identifying what the milestones are and then ensuring in brief targeted conversations that people are at the milestone and are making progress is a much more effective way to lead. And so the higher you are up in a food chain at an organization, the more likely you need to milestone manage, which really challenges you because a lot of the leaders have grown up through an organization. And so, you know, many leaders who grow up through an organization bring everything that they did before with them. And it's hard to let go because that's what got me here. And milestone management is a shift for them where now they're gonna let all that go and they're gonna spend more time with the key deliverables and feel quite frankly, more like a leader. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I, I, I do think it's very, very, po very, very positive. You know, to it's, show it's, my it's age. Hard, it's hard to do. It's yeah. very hard for many people to do. Show my age and maybe you can talk about maybe if it's the same or contrast. There used to be a thing called um, management by objectives. Is this kind of similar to that? It's not. So okay. management, you know, management by objectives, otherwise known as MBOs, yeah. are uh, you know today are used more like goals in a performance review, right? So many people have the categories that they're rated on professionally, and then they have their MBOs or goals. You know, different companies have different names, but you know this is more if you look at uh, a project. Uh, especially if you use like Microsoft Project Manager, for example, they have a category called milestones, which are broad capturing categories of a ton of activities underneath. And so your goal to develop as a leader is to be more focused on the milestone, which includes all of those activities. So you're not talking about all the activities, but you ask for an update or the person comes to you with an update and says, hey, it's September 8th and I wanna update you on how we're doing. Uh, a milestone date has been reached as of yesterday. Here's where we are. Here's what's working well. Here's what we still need to do. Here's some things we're doing differently than we originally planned. I hopefully would only have a couple of questions, but that's it. And I say, okay, I'll see you in a week, two weeks, you know, whatever the next milestone date is in order just to check in. And so I'm not doing the work. I'm not worrying about the work. I'm checking in on the milestone to ensure that everybody else that works for us, all our employees are doing what they're supposed to do to ensure we can move along the timeline effectively. So a milestone really is a, 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 a point in time more than it is, this is where we've achieved this part of the project. Yeah, it's a combination of time and activity. So yeah. some activities may take a long amount of time, some activity might be a short amount of time, but it's it, another way to look at it, Evan, might be that it's at the top of the pyramid, right? That there's all yep. of these sub activities, but depending on whether it's a week from now, two months from now, it could be six months from now, that the next milestone is due, I'm expecting an update. And that update will, of course, describe or at least refer to some of the stuff underneath. But if we're where we should be at that milestone date, I am now comfortable that we can keep moving forward. If I'm not comfortable because what we were working on is not done or unready or we all did it just last night or whatever it might be, 
I can ask that they revisit the calendar and make some shifts. But what I'm doing, Evan, is not getting into all of the detail. I'm talking about the high level activities that you're working on to ensure that we can keep moving forward. Okay, so let's make the shift now to accountability. Um, yeah, so account go ahead. Yeah, so accountability is really the work uh, you know, that is done by people. So there are certain activities, and of course, in any project plan, you have milestones, and then you have subcontexts, and then you have sub-sub, and you know, all the way down to what's the color of the PowerPoint slide. Uh, you know, those are things that I'm accountable for. And so I have probably shorter due dates, like, hey, I need that by tomorrow, or we need that by Monday, that feed up, of course, to the bigger milestone. But accountability is really ownership for very specific activities. So if somebody comes in and says, hey, who's working on X part of the project? They could say, it's Ed. Ed owns that particular uh, accountability to get that done. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. Right now, we've been super tactical, right? We're talking about how to get a project done. I know you're also strategic. So talk about how you work with companies on a strategic level. And in particular, if you can relate it to training, that would be those would be worth bonus points for you. <laughs> we want as many bonus points as we can get. So that's yeah. great. Uh, look, I think within the training organization, and I'm sure there are a ton of people who work in training organizations who wish their boss would just get out of their stuff, right? Hey, if you wanted to do this work, why am I here? And so the work that we do with organizations is to ensure that starting at the top, the leader is more focused on milestones and is not doing the detail work that our employees are responsible for doing. And that alone is a huge shift in culture to ensure that I'm not getting into all of the nitty gritty details. Now, another aspect of this, of course, is performance management, which is if any time I do a milestone check-in with you, we're not on target, things aren't being done well, there are lots of errors, et cetera, there may be a performance issue with that person that needs to be addressed. It might not be their ability to hit the milestone, but the work they're doing and the quality of the work and the quantity of the work is not meeting standard. And so there, I would need to do performance management, which is to talk with them about how they're doing their work and how they're prioritizing and how they're creating kind of the vision and energy in order to ensure people work well together. So, you know, this is a key activity that we work on with many organizations, which is to shift senior leaders to milestones and shift employees and the folks that are hired to do specific work to give them the accountability to do it well and to get it done well so that as we report up, things are hitting our targets. Okay, so how do you see from a, like a, a, from a strategy point of view when companies should strategize, when companies should do strategic work, how often, how frequently, how should they involve the team in making it happen? So if we're discussing strategy specifically, I will tell you it is different for different companies. 
So companies are of different sizes, they have different priorities, they have different budgets, they have different headcounts, they're in different geographies. And so really it's more about you know, identifying uh, points in time when you need to start building a strategy. And there are many companies out there who do not have any type of strategy whatsoever and realize at some point that the market and the competition is really forcing them to be in places they haven't been in. And the best way to navigate through that is to have a strategy. And to me, a strategy is an anchor. So it's a future-based anchor that pulls us along to ensure that we're going in the direction that we want to go in. And we can veer from time to time based on changes in the marketplace, but uh, you know, companies meet sometimes uh, twice a year, sometimes once a year, sometimes every two years, right? It, it, it just varies dramatically to talk specifically about, you know, what is our strategy? Are we making progress on our strategy? Do we need to change our strategy, especially in these days of fast changing technology? I mean, look at all the strategic conversations that have had to happen over the last few months with the coronavirus kicking in unexpectedly. And suddenly things that we thought we would be doing or ways that we were gonna be operating can't be done, right? So now we gotta go back and figure out how can we still hit our numbers, whether it's revenue or headcount, you know, whatever is the way that we measure ourselves, how can we still hit those in different ways? And these are all great strategic conversations that can be held. Again, it's gonna happen in varying ways with varying companies and organizations. Excellent. So Dave, you have a book and it's called Drive Your Career. And I suspect everyone listening wants to know how to drive their career. So why don't we shift gears here for a second and talk about you know, what advice would you give to our listeners if they want to have a successful career? Well, Drive Your Career came from my 12 years as a leadership coach. And I began to notice, Evan, that regardless of who I was working with, we always kind of came back to what became nine different ideas that applied to them, not all at the same time and not all with the same people, but they just kept coming back. And so I had one of those magical shower moments where I said, you know what, you know, why do these same ideas seem to uh, target and help different leaders in different organizations? And whether they're in pharmaceutical or manufacturing or legal or retail, regardless of where they were, you know, these nine ideas all keep uh, coming into play. And I agree with you, you know, most people want to drive their career, unfortunately, a large percentage of people are still passengers. So they're still kind of along for the ride and they'll end up wherever they end up. And maybe at some point they'll say, hey, wait a minute, how did I get here? Or what am I doing? Or I don't even like what I'm doing. You know, how did this happen? I, so I, love, that, I love that analogy. And I challenge all my readers, right, listeners rather, and viewers, C-Suite uh, C TV, by the way, now we're on, just gonna give it a little plug to ask themselves, are you a driver of your career or are you a passenger? Where do you sit? Is yeah, it happening to you or are you creating? Which is what I think you're talking about. So let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm a passenger. How do I shift from being a passenger to a driver? So if you are somebody who would you know, proclaim or title themselves a uh, passenger, First of all, you might want to buy the book, Drive Your Career, right? Because right, of, that, course. of course, uh, nine ideas on things that you can do. And I believe this applies to all leaders at all levels, including presidents of organizations of things that they can do to be more of a driver of their career. And so the subtitle of the book is nine high value ways to take 
uh, control of your success, right? So it's your success. The transition that's happened in corporate America and globally is that there was a time 20 years ago where companies were in charge of training and in charge of leadership development. And anytime you join the organization, here's what you had to do and go through. Very subtly over the last 20 years, the shift has happened and it's now you who is more responsible for knowing what you wanna do and where you wanna go. And of course, companies still provide training and still provide leadership development, but there's a greater onus on you knowing where you wanna go and what you wanna do in order to get there. So there's been a shift from them to us. And unless you have an idea of where you wanna go and what you wanna do in short steps, I'm not saying you know, like a 10 year old who says I wanna be president of the United States, but hey, here's a direction I wanna go in how do I get there? There are things and activities that you need to do in order to get there. It just doesn't happen by magic. You know, people don't become presidents of companies by magic. You know, there are things that they did, relationships they had built, uh, activities they had worked on to increase their visibility and ensure they were driving in that direction in order to get there. Well, I, I like what, you're, what you have to say because I believe you, everyone has to take responsibility. And to think that other people, they're like, I mean, a good, look, a good employer is also looking out for each person. Their job is to mentor, their job is to grow. Most people are not blessed to have that kind of work environment. And one of the things I suggest to people is constantly be reading a book on their profession. You know, if they're in sales, read a book on sales or training, read a book on training, read a book on leadership, et cetera. So now we get to recommend your book for them to, to read as a way for them to really understand how to take leadership and responsibility for their, for their, own, their own career. Um, so how, when did you write the book and what was, you talked a little bit about why, but uh, what's the reaction to the book then? And then I'm gonna follow, I'm follow up with my favorite question. So go ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it took me a couple of years to write. And, you know, the reason for that is that the information was so present in my mind, because this was real life activities going on with real life clients. So these are not nine ideas that I just made up that I think people are going to like, but these are nine real outcomes from conversations with real people about things that they're experiencing in the workplace. So the, the feedback has been very positive because people can connect with it because they read a chapter about how to have a positive relationship with your boss, which I think is very, very important for all individuals, whether they're in training or real estate or human resources or whatever group they're in, it's extremely positive for, uh, important, for example, to have a positive relationship with your boss. So, you know, this came from real experiences with real clients. You know, I would tell you, Evan, for example, I'm not a statistician, but 85% of my clients probably wish they had a more positive relationship with their boss. I'm not saying best friends who you know, go out for margaritas on Friday nights, but they wish they had a more positive relationship. And so that's very important if you're gonna drive your career that you have a positive relationship with your boss. Because if it's not positive, there's always that what they call third person in the room called anger or frustration or bias that's always complicating the relationship unnecessarily. So uh, you know, I hope as people want to become more drivers of the career, that they do a variety of things. You know, one of the things might be to purchase a book and read some ideas that could be very, very helpful to them. 
Okay, so you ready for my favorite question? Bring it on. What's idea number 10? I, I've written <laughs> two books, and when you finish the book, invariably you say, I wish I had put this in the book. So what was one of those things that you like, I wish I'd put this in the book? You didn't prep me with that question. Um, <laughs> you know, I wrote down the ideas as uh, I was experiencing them. So I had a, a little notebook that I carried with me. Yeah. And I said to myself, hey, I think there is a way to share this information with more people. And, you know, perhaps a book might be it. I started to write it. And, you know, once I hit the ninth one, there weren't any more. There weren't any. I'm sure there are, Evan. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll send you an email later once I think about what it might be. But Yeah, no, no. no undoubtedly, it will catch up with you. It will catch it up will. with you later. But there's nine ideas. I don't think everyone needs to do all of them. But I think nine is quite enough. So let's, let's reverse your book, if we can, for a second. And reading your book about how to drive your career, if you're managing people, what can people learn from that experience to help mentor the people within them? And, and is your book designed to help in that area? It is, right? So the book is written for leaders at all levels, uh, people at work, people in transition, because at some point they're going to be at work. Uh, and many of it is role modeling great behavior. So for example, there's one activity where I encourage people in order to have a better relationship with their boss to ask the boss what I call the million dollar question, which is what's one or two things I could do differently to be more effective. And it's only one or two things. It's not like 30 or 40. It's uh, what can I do differently? It's not better or worse because people don't feel comfortable judging each other. Uh, I don't want you to feel bad by the feedback I give you, but difference is a little bit more linear. And then to be more effective, who wouldn't want feedback in order to be more effective? So what I tell clients is they know they've really hit this working when the person they've been asking it of says to them one day, hey, you've been asking me that question now a couple of times each year for two years. I'm curious, what's one or two things I could do differently to be more effective, right? Because now you see the impact it's having when I give you feedback that I think you could do differently to be more effective and you try it and you practice it, I now am having an influential effect on you. And so conversely, people want to be positively influenced as well. And so, you know, it's that type of give and take that can be very, very helpful. So all ideas in the book, I would consider to be role modeling type behaviors of things that if you do them really well, it'll help others. I love that. I love that. I love, the, I love the way you phrase the question um, because I think words matter. And by putting it in such a positive manner rather than making it a judgment, uh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's very, very smart. So um, we always run out of time, but I'd love to know we have a special offer for everyone. What, what is your special offer? So prior to this book, Evan, I wrote a book called Raise Your Visibility and Value. And as part of that book, I have an online assessment where people can go in and identify how visible they are in their organization and industry. And so my free offer to your listeners is if they send me their email address, I will send them a free link to that assessment. You can go in and take it. It probably takes 10, 15 minutes. You can get a nice colored report afterwards that you can download and print. So if you send me your email address to ed at excelius.com, and excelius is E-X-C-E-L-L-I-U-S.com. Okay, Ed, I and I'm going to ask you to repeat the, your email again, just because it's hard when people are listening. 
director, ed at excelius.com. And that's ed at E-X-C-E-L-L-I-U-S.com. And I will send you free access to the indicator. I won't keep your address for marketing purposes. It goes away after I send you the assessment. And so that's my uh, free offer, Evan. Well, it's a great offer. And um, I wish we had time to talk about the other book because the other book seems like it really works well and pairs well with your new book. Uh, it does. Which, uh, so I, I'm gonna give you just a few seconds. Tell us about the other book. What's, what are the key learnings there? So raise your visibility and value. That really came from my corporate career. I worked in corporate America through 2008 and realized after I left that role that I was not as visible and I was really unclear on the value that I could provide organizations to whom I might be wanting to work. And so what I built was a book based on my learnings. And in that book, I have seven visibility accelerators. And so these are seven ideas like introduce yourself, be accessible, engage in industry associations, build your reputation, right? Seven ideas that you need to do to ensure you're as visible and also that the value you provide, if you are going to be visible, is well-known and tangible. And so it's a variety of tips and ideas and suggestions on how to be as visible and as valuable to your organization and industry. And both of these books are available on a number of retailers, including Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Excellent. Excellent. So at, at the end, we always ask if you had one tip to share, what would your one tip be? Well, I think based on our conversation today, Evan, I would go back to the topic I mentioned earlier, which is to start a behavior of asking your boss, peers, and subordinates once or twice a year, not often, but once or, tw once or twice a year, what's one or two things I could do differently to be more effective? I guarantee you, and it may take a few times because some people may not know how to answer the question, it'll take a few times, but you will get some really good insights into how people experience you and learn some stuff on how to do things more differently to be more effective. Well, Ed, that's a fantastic tip. I'm gonna take, take your advice myself. Uh, I wanna thank you for being a guest. I wanna thank my listeners for being here. I wanna also take a moment and thank C-Suite uh, Network. I'm on C-Suite Radio and C-Suite Television. Very proud of that. And everyone have a fantastic day. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.